Hello, Hello, and welcome to Pass Assault Weekly Podcast, where we talk about all things pop culture. My name is Owen Shannon. Joining me, my co-host, Maxwell Cambria. How are you? I'm living today. Living on the uh, on the right side of the rainbow, as they say. Do they say that? I said it. And joining us as our guest, first-time guest, Alex Wilson. How are you? Um, it's hump day. I'm ready to be done with the week. Um, but I'm breathing, so first week of good. school here. Yeah, it's it's always the toughest. Yeah. So, Alex, you are both an accountant or training to be an accountant. Correct. And a YouTuber. Correct. So, just give us like your your elevator YouTube pitch if you have one. Um, god. Way to put me on the spot. <laughs> That's what podcasts are for. Um, so I think probably the the fastest, easiest way to describe it is documenting my confusing ass life in video. And how how do you make it less confusing for a video? I don't always. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's it's the I don't know the process I go through is. You know, I I wouldn't say I have the most exciting life in the world. I mean, I'm a typical college student, but I think, you know, the most important part with YouTube is being able to create some sort of storyline. And, like, it's not, it doesn't have to be the most entertaining visual for the story to be captivating. And I think that's the most important part. Um, and I've been working on that. I haven't, haven't, I don't think I've gotten it down perfect yet, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the story is, is what, you know, kind of keeps everything together, keeps my mind together. So, at least as far as I know, I remember you started vlogging about like a year, year and a half ago, maybe. Summer of 2017 is when I. Summer started. of 2017. What what inspired you to to start vlogging? Um, I watched a lot of YouTube. Um, specifically, it was Peter McKinnon, um, one of my personal favorite YouTubers. He's just a very inspirational person. And if anybody hasn't seen any of his content, I highly recommend watching it. Um, he is one of the most artistic, cinemagraphically pleasing vloggers out there. Um, he just makes amazing content. And I guess it was just something I always kind of wanted to do. Like, I've always really loved, like, videos, cinematography, filmography, photography, whatever it may be. I'm also a huge Peter McKinnon fan. I love how he combines both, like photography tutorials along with like good vlogs yeah yeah he he doesn't half-ass anything yeah and i think that's you know what has garnered such a fast following for him because when i started watching him about two two and a half years ago he maybe had two hundred fifty thousand subscribers and now he's over 2.8 million yeah so like he really skyrocketed yeah. up there for sure. Yeah, he he puts in the time and it shows. So Max, you're someone that that's more separated from like the vlogging world. I don't think yeah, you I you mean. actively follow anyone. So is there yeah. anything anything up front that you you need answered? I approach vlogging like a social scientist would. Where why? Why? What's the appeal? Why is vlogging taken off in the last five years? And in order to make my observation of the current time to eventually put in a memoir, <laughs> I need to be outside of it, which is why I've not let myself 
really just go into the vlogging world. Um, I do know, I do watch vlogs, but they're really, I click on them title-based. And I, if the subject is, 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 uh, captivating, then I will click it. Um, but I'm still wondering how and why these took off in the way that they did. They, I think, and, uh, and if there's my hypothesis that it's has a lot to do with reality TV taking off because a vlog is in a way it's like, here is a snapshot of my life or what I'm doing today. And people find it interesting. Other people's lives are interesting. That's my take on it. I think there's an aspect of that to vlogs, but I almost think that's more for younger people, almost. I feel like younger kids connect to vlogs in the way of like, oh, I think this is my friend kind of way, where I just think they're like well-made videos for the most part. Yeah. I mean, like, I... I would say I watch any vlogger that I watch. So like Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, those are really the top two vloggers that I watch right now. Um, and Casey's been killing the game for almost ten years. Yeah, probably. he's been number one yeah. forever. Um, and I just watch them as you know an inspirational thing because a lot of these vloggers, aside from like the Jake Pauls and Logan Pauls of the world that just do Garbage. stupid shit on the internet and get arrested and have everyone hate them, um, you know they. They they weave together a storyline along with the visual aspect of, you know, whatever they're doing with their daily life, and they make it something that, you know, pushes people to do more. And I mean, like, P- or not Peter, uh, Casey Neistat has that tattooed on his forearm. It says, do more. So, like, it it definitely speaks to, you know, people just helping other people take that first step or the next step in, you know, whatever they're trying to pursue. And I think that's another part of the reason that it's definitely taken off in the last five years. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that a lot of uh, the thing that's the the best part about vlogs from my observation is that it's there's no media head over it, or at least over a lot, most of them. It's just an individual and his brand or just him or her doing it so they can take it in any direction they want. And people with that much freedom when they put out good content like Casey does um, – Inspiration can be drawn from that a lot more, I think, than in a like television show or a show that's like reality TV. Well, well, like the Jake and Logan Paul, the Rice Scums, all those guys, they are the reality TV thing yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Where it's like today we waxed a penis in my chest hair. Un- like, I I agree. Or like filled their pool with slime. Right. I'm pretty sure Jake Paul did that. I agree that that's the more reality <laughs> side, but I also have to acknowledge that that's the popular side. Logan Paul, it is. five million people watch his stuff. Yeah, um, they both have more subscribers than Peter McKinnon and Casey combined. Yeah, I know, which just really gives me gives me pause. Yeah, everyone everyone's always afraid of the generation coming up as to like how they're going to come out. Yeah, well, I mean, Jake and Logan Paul are are the big guys. Of this generation, oh, we're screwed. Then, yeah, we're so screwed. Yeah, um, and then there's people like Roman Atwood, who was like one of the original vloggers, who has almost 16 million subscribers, is... and he's just he does it so different than anybody else. Like he's not some super super inspirational guy, or like he doesn't make insanely cinematic B-roll sequences like Peter McKinnon does. But like, I think it's just how he got his start like he started out on a prank channel and then went to vlogs and i mean he leads a 
pretty normal life in Ohio, but I mean, he has one of the highest subscriber counts of any of the vloggers I know. Unfortunately, I think the the prank channels that started in early YouTube allow for for Jake and Logan Paul to exist. They do. Because now, now do. someone like Jesse Wellens, who is uh, BF versus GF, the prank oh, yeah, channel, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's See just that. like a really good vlogger, and he doesn't even do it that consistently anymore. But he was one of the people that like ushered in the prank channel, and then he matured. Like I don't know if these other guys are going to mature. Right. I don't think the Paul brothers want to mature. If they lose this image of just, you know, you, you're watching their videos and 13 seconds in, they're punching somebody in the face and throwing people into pools. Like, I think that they'll lose their following, and they know that. Yeah. They have to market what they can. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see Logan Paul coming out in five years with some super cinematic and advanced and mature topic, like short film or, like, you know, vlog. I don't. Well, like, Logan Paul isn't going to direct like the next a24 coming no. of age movie Absolutely mid 2000s not. no no but mid 90s was good as, as, as we're saying it but uh I'll, maybe i'll get to that later um, when did you see mid 90s did you see it before our movie podcast i saw it right after i think oh. i saw it that day i think and, i was and inspired. you said it was good yeah can we get into this later i saw i saw vice by the way did you say you saw vice i want to Oh, you want to? It's on my. It was if I hadn't watched mid nineties, I would have watched that movie. It's, it's really pretty good. The only critique is that it's not as good as The Big Short, because The Big Short's an amazing movie. So Christian your critique, Bale killed it. Yeah, your yes. critique, <laughs> your critique comes in comparison. In comparison uh, to what the other guys, the other film he's done. Yes, but Christian Bale did well. And oh yeah, uh, his performance was insane. To continue the uh, the diversion here, though, Adam McKay, the director, you know what other movies he's directed? No. Anchorman, Step Brothers, and Talladega Nights. Isn't that interesting? That, Transitioning uh, from those to, to the big short and voice. Anchorman makes sense to me that he would direct that. I knew I knew his name. He was head writer on SNL during the Will Ferrell time. I would say that 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 Anchorman makes sense, but the Step Brothers in Talladega wouldn't make 90% sense. Ninety percent sure I lost my tripod somewhere on the way. Here. <laughs> There's one right there, in there. Yeah, we actually do have a tripod if if you need it for a. I mean, a I quick don't. Second. Um, I'm just kind of pissed that I lost that. Oh well, that's continue. A <laughs> um, um, because I think Anchorman, the concept, it, making fun of the news in the '70s, that is a pretty advanced comedic concept now the jokes inside the film were all pretty raunchy and stuff but that idea to spawn that idea i think is an advanced idea i think yeah. comedically two stepbrothers although that movie is like iconic and legendary that anybody could have done that movie well yeah. i heard him on a podcast recently that's why I, why i'm interested in this but he said it was meant to be like that was the end of the bro humor era, and it's mm. supposed to be kind of self-aware of that. Yeah. And they made it, and they thought, like, yeah, this is pretty stupid, but, like, we had a good time making it, and then it became a cult hit. Yeah. So. So, you never know. But I can transition this because The Big Short and Vice are two movies that I almost see as, like, they are super highly produced and well-thought-out YouTube videos in a way. 
You see the editing of it? They they cut in a ton of like other videos and stuff. I don't I, know if I would say that. I would completely say it. If, okay, when you shoot something on an Ari Alexa level camera, it no well, longer is a YouTube video. No, uh, but that's not what I mean. It's like this the style of editing. And oh yeah, it's the very way it's, the stories it's, are told. It's meant to kind of make itself flow. And there are parts in Vice. Did you see it? I've not seen Vice. I have seen The Big Short. Um, I don't remember if there are parts in The Big Short, but there are parts in Vice where it just turns into like a comedy sketch, basically. Okay. As a way to like fill in the gap of the story. They gotcha. did that in The Big Short with now here Selena Gomez telling you how the derivative stock market works. Yes. Like that that sort of idea. Yeah. A lot of inspiration be taken from that. I think that... Uh, so the moral of the story is get Selena Gomez on your vlogs? I think yes. that if I okay. was a person on YouTube or movie industry... Have to have her in the thumbnail. Let's just say YouTube. Because another thing, that what what he's doing is just bringing together two very popular concepts uh, that anybody, that, that people enjoy. I have a YouTube video that is a funny... Um, but can be smart show, okay? And then I, if I can cut in a way to explain concepts that are generally, you know, seen in like collegiate level academics or concepts that people should be aware of, like critical thinking or like how the derivative stock market works, and dumb it down so anybody sitting in the audience can learn it, I'm I'm successful. Look at all those YouTube videos with the whiteboard, the whiteboard graphic. Yeah. That's all that those videos are. Except how do you dumb – I mean, I know they did it, but, like, it's not easy to dumb things down like the derivative stock market. Like, I'm an accounting and finance major. I could tell you right. very, very quickly that it's not easy to dumb those However, things down. However, in the context of the Great Recession, all they did was give the viewer enough information to understand the recession and get angry about it. And they, so they achieved it. That's yeah. all you need. I mean, yeah, they don't need to be experts. Yeah, they don't need to be investing in it or right. know how to. They just need to know kind of what it is and why it was important. So, Fair. so I think I think that he's successful in that. Yeah. All right. Now none of us are getting millions of dollars to make anything. Nope. You're, you're in not. fact, I wish I was. I mean, I if you could I point me in that well. direction. Um. Um. In fact. We're all balancing making stuff like podcasts and videos along with school and work. Like, I know I saw in one of your recent videos, Alex, that you're trying to get out weekly videos. Yeah. How is that going with everything? Um. Well, since January 1st, I've done one. So I'm on track to release one very, very soon. Um, I'm actually in the process of making one today. So, I'll probably f fill it in on Friday and get it up on Sunday. So, I mean, overall, it's been okay. This first week of school has really killed me. Just, like, trying to get organized and, you know, get everything figured out because I feel like I got to the first day and I was slapped in the face with everything. Everyone talks about wow. syllabus week. It's it's really, like, I get a syllabus two days, but once that second day is over, it's like all all the work is on the table and I have to do oh, it. Oh, I don't even get two days. We get syllabus 20 minutes and then it's <laughs> teaching on the first day of class. Yeah, I uh, I have experienced the syllabus two days. I just, I just, uh, I slap a schedule together and then the day of classes, go to my first class and realize I need to change all of my classes and then have to run to the Griff Center, which is our like academic uh office and just keep switching my schedule until it's where i need it to be that's that's how my days go i've never done that because 
I worry that I would just make the change and then I would realize like uh, I probably just should have stayed with what I originally thought of. Yeah, sure. No one can uh, actually decide anything in, in at this time in our lives. But hey, I'm just well. Uh, no, like I re- made my decision, so I might as well stick with it. <laughs> but it was I a function. decision made in indecision. That's true. That's true. Um, so your vlogs. Yes. How long? How long is the editing process for you? Because I've heard the the big the big guns say it's like basically like an eight hour process. What is it for you? Do you um, think? so I released in my you know revamp of my channel in the last couple of weeks. I released a video on December third and January sixth, or December thirty first and uh, January sixth. So a couple in the last two weeks or so. And that first one, I started editing when I got home from work at. 11 o'clock and didn't finish it till like four in the morning so like five hours that's brutal and the second one was giving me a lot of problems premiere crashed twice Um, what are you uh working on a pc or a laptop mac a mac yeah okay good mac Um, book macbook pro oh okay yeah um and so premiere crashed twice which has never happened before and then altogether it probably took me six or seven hours to edit that one but admittedly i i did more in the second video in terms of you know polishing things and just making it look more more betterer i feel like people people have a misconception about video editing in general because they look at like iMovie and it's like oh look i can just i can i can just put clips and i can i can speak to that because my first six i think my first six videos way back in 2017 i edited an iMovie and i'm like this is a tragedy this is awful there's so little i can do with this and like having watched as many vlogs as i have specifically peter mckinnon's videos i'm like i need to do better than this um and that's when i started using premiere pro and it made the editing process exponentially longer yes it makes it longer but you have so much more freedom you do but like i i had this project last semester and it was a video project and the end video had to be like 22 minutes long i think it was so we had a ton of different segments to it and just the last week before everything was due all of the segments fell on me pretty much and it's like, do you people realize, like, I work till midnight, and then I have to edit this till 5 in the morning now? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a grind, and it definitely takes a lot of, you know, scheduling of time. And Just, patience. Yeah, that too. Especially, uh, you know, when you start doing those B-roll sequences, and you, you know, add your warp stabilizers and all your crazy, you know, effects and everything, and you have to render that clip, and it takes... 15 minutes yep. to render it and you're just sitting there waiting that's that's why like that's part of the reason why we stopped doing video here because the export for the like 45 minute video we'd usually get it would be like three hours long yeah yeah and i couldn't like just handicap my laptop for that long yeah for like 25 people so yet yeah, uh it was a different time in our in our history yeah when we for did sure video. but uh I uh, recently put together a, a, a promotion. Here's a, here's a question before I get into this. Have you ever um, edited anything and then not used it? Put a lot of time into it, Absolutely. not used it. it 100%. Yep. I have a couple videos that are just kind of in archives, quote-unquote, that I've never released but are more or less done. Yeah. Um, I experienced that uh, this past week. I um, put together a, a video um, 
this group of artists formerly known as CVL, many of them have been on this show before, um, are going through a rebrand, and um, I pitched to them a uh, name change. Um, video, logo, different fonts in, in the name that I that I had come up with. Literally everything you need for the rebrand. Yeah, um, um and I want the video aspect of it was it was it was actually cool. I don't think I don't know if we're ever going to use it. We might, um, but it was. I found all the news reporting footage in the Buffalo area, relatively all of it that I could get my hands on in the last like five years about parties, college parties, and cut it together and. Um, Added added like a uh, reveal for the name and did some effects with it so it would look clean, and uh, we are probably not going to use it. Like we're not going to use that video that I made. We might use a clip or two from that, but uh, at the end of the day, we just didn't use it. And I just went, okay, that's three hours of editing gone. But yeah, I wish I wish there was a world where I could sit down like every week and make a video that I'm not going to release because. I just think that would help me develop, like, willpower in editing. <laughs> yeah, I actually this summer, you know, in the, the dry span of my YouTube channel that I didn't re- record or release anything, um, I actually did record um, a number of videos this summer. And, you know, one of them was just giving me problems with the export, and it wouldn't go onto YouTube in greater than, like, 480p. And I'm just like, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of them, I just... I really don't know why I didn't post them. I just wasn't feeling it i guess yeah and i mean i think it definitely kept me you know in that like frame of mind of making content and doing youtube but i didn't actually ever like upload anything so i think you know if anybody like wants to do youtube or like get started but is afraid to post something it's not a bad avenue to take to just you know record yourself get used to talking to camera get get used to the editing process how editing works you know, the, the nitty gritty of it and just don't release it. I pretty much have no fear of the upload button and I feel like I should have more of one. So that's why I want to like develop the strength to just put the work into something and then not have the, the immediate payoff of 25 views. (laughs) So what you're saying is you're not afraid to upload anything to the internet. Well, okay. Like, don't don't take that <laughs> with as much liberty as you want there but <laughs> like whenever i make something whether i write it or make a video or podcast wise i'm not i'm not ever scared of like oh what what could the repercussions of this be or what if people yeah. think it's bad right like, i don't think you should be i think it's better not to be if you were worried about if people what people would think about everything you posted maybe you would lose a masterpiece i'm i'm in desperate need of some hate tweets that don't come from uh, your roommate, Peter. Uh, hey, you want me to hate tweet you? I will, Owen. <laughs> I'll just make a separate account just to hate tweet yeah, you. Yeah, do it. Uh, I think <laughs> you won't even know it's me. It'll get me more more infamy. That's what I need. Just title it anti Bing user. Anti Bing user. It, did you ever see that? See what? I completely rebranded my Twitter once as Bing user. No. And my profile photo was a stock picture of a guy at a computer. (laughs) And I just tweeted things like, your tie looks nice today. Thank you. I use Bing. (laughs) 
It's one of my masterpieces, actually. You know, is someone it? offered to buy my Twitter during that time? No. That didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I would I not have believed that. Even if you told me the most convincing story ever, I probably still wouldn't have believed you. And you know what? Let me just do a soft search real quick. I want to see if there is uh, such a... Did you ever see if there was a Bing user Twitter account? No. Um, I just kind of assumed that it was so stupid that no one else could have thought of it. I did a number on my finger. I, like, reached for something in my backpack and just, like, tore my finger open and now I won't stop bleeding. <laughs> there's uh, no Bing user, just Bing user, but there is a Bing search user that has done nothing in the five years it's since it's joined Twitter. No followers, no following, no tweets. So I guess you had that market cornered on Yeah. Um, and corner it i did so we're all i feel like in in the beginning stages content wise like in college unless you're one of those people that like somehow blows up in college you're just always kind of in the beginning state i feel like yeah and um, i mean you kind of have to be because i mean at least in my experience you don't have time to be like a daily vlogger or somebody that uploads super often exactly how much have you blatantly just like tried to copy something that like Peter McKinnon does? Because I've I've found whenever I make a video, it's like yeah, I'm I'm just gonna completely copy this type of time lapse that Casey Neistat would use, and I'm not gonna say sorry for it. Um, I think everybody that you know does YouTube and has influencers that they follow on YouTube, so Peter McKinnon specifically for myself um you know there's always a, a portion of their work that you find very appealing and you try and I guess mimic but not totally copy and I think Peter has spoken to this in some of his videos before that like you as a creator and as a, a consumer of YouTube content you kind of pull the the best parts of all of your favorite YouTubers and you kind of create something that is kind of your own but also you know influenced by x y and z one of one of the first videos i made i actually i don't know if you've watched many jesse wellens videos but he always does this like transition where he just has like a card or like some some board or something that he transitions to the next clip with that and i literally just included that in one of my videos because i could it was there was Fortnite. no point to it it was about Fortnite, one of my most successful videos. Yeah, Fortnite is stupid. Now you have me on record saying that. Yeah. I tried to say that, but Dowen uh, cut out most of my... I included an interview with, with Max where he just says it's stupid pretty Except much. Except, I mean... Oh, it cut out all the juice, the meat and potatoes of my answer. I gotta, I gotta admit, I have played it. Same. But... I haven't played it since August, and I, I probably will never go back to that game again. I made this for a class that was like a year ago and it was before before the full meme culture had taken over like it was still just kind of like a fun popular game at that time right i was still playing it then yeah and i didn't have anything to hate on it but no, now you can buy toys now can fortnite, you really fortnite toys now oh, sold at target no surprise oh lord my my friend said when they buried his grandmother his cousin was doing the floss on her grave so that's what that's yeah, what Fortnite that's, has done. I am just there's our, our we should just that generation <laughs> we should take them all we should put them on an island see what happens in five years Lord of the Flies them because that right there just tells me there's just no 
general baseline of respect coming out of these people. Yep. Oh yeah. I couldn't believe that story you, uh, when I first heard it. You live with Backpack Kid. I do live with a variation of him. <laughs> and uh, everybody else hates Fortnite because they're suing him. So. Yeah, well, um, I think that's a little ridiculous. About the dances? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't think, like, they can't just sue they're a random person off. for doing the dances. Wait, you're talking about Carlin from... Fresh Prince of Bel Air suing Fortnite, and that's Snoop happening. Dog. Anyone and that has a dance in the game, they're they're suing Fortnite. Well, I mean, they should. Nah, nah. If you're making money off of it, which they are, and the other person, I don't necessarily think that Snoop Dogg or Carlton was making money off those dances. The episodes are what this media where they're doing that dance, sure, but then you should. I would stop it for sure. I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. I'm not. Supposedly, the Carlton dance isn't even the Carlton dance. Supposedly, it's Courtney Cox's dance. Uh, I don't believe that. Supposedly. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I don't buy it. I mean, I don't. I can't speak to whether that's true or not, but I have seen things that she did it before he did first, so. Who knows? I don't. These will all just end up settling anyway. Oh, so yeah. if I do the Carlton dance on a YouTube video, and that YouTube video is su- successful in any way, you put in your description, I, I do sued? not own the dance in this video. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta disclose. Nah, I don't, I don't like that. Then it's a physical you, movement. then you could theoretically be sued. What by... What about what if you use a graphic or something? It's the same thing. No, you no. gotta give people credit. Unless it's copyright free. What if I, I use a song in a YouTube I don't, video? I don't know how a dance could have copyright to it. If well, it's in, it's technically would be intellectual property. I know, but dances that get popular, there are a ton of videos about like people teaching them. And See, stuff. but that's that's the difference. You know, most of the time, you know, if I were to do the floss at some party or you know the Carlton dance, just walking down the street. I'm not trying to make money off of it. I think the problem arises when somebody tries to capitalize on somebody else's intellectual but property. But isn't that what like a dance tutorial is doing? Yeah, but if they're teaching the dance tutorial and they say today we're going to learn the floss, the name the floss came from the person who made that dance first, and that in itself is giving that person credit. Yeah. They're not going to say today I'm going to teach you the thread and do the same dance but try to call it something else. They're calling it the floss. It was named the floss by whoever, and it's that's what it is. You know? Mm, you I just, don't like this. You got to give credit where it's credit like is due. It's like when you use a graphic on Google Images and you say, this isn't mine logo. This is somebody else's As logo. someone who has tried to rebrand Tim Hortons, everyone says Tim's, I want it to be Hortons. Why do you... Why? <laughs> why do you actually just, like, just try your best to go against conventions of society? I don't feel like I do that unless I really want Hortons? to like like Horton here really rub someone the wrong way. Yeah, so wait, would you just put a big dopey elephant on it? No. It, would it be a photo it's of Tim? The Horton? coffee place. I I don't say, Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to Tim's guys. I'm going to Horton's. Everybody will think you're crazy. <laughs> Bring it on. The hate tweets. That's what I want. Oh you're definitely gonna get some hate I, tweets now. <laughs> Every day I inch closer to starting a social media-wide campaign to get you off social media. (laughs) Every day I inch closer. And I know that would destroy you. I know that it would destroy you. You Check your followers. Wait until uh, we get to uh, community tries. You just wait. Oh, God. It's really not that big, but but it it technically correlates. Back to... (laughs) 
Where did we start this conversation? <laughs> Something about content creation videos. Uh, can you tell me the time we're at, Maxwell, please? Uh, yeah, 32. 32. We have time here. Yeah. We have plenty. Um, something me, me and Max here discuss quite a bit, and I almost don't even know where I fall on it, and I wonder if you're thinking about it at all. Shoot. At what point do you earn the right to start, like, thinking about audience building i think you always have to be cognizant of that because i kind of think that too but at the same time i don't know the amount of success stories i hear where it's just like oh yeah i was doing it for fun and then it worked so then i I started focusing on it let me let me reframe my answer a little bit um i think you always have to be cognizant of you know the fact that you i mean most people that do youtube want to garner at least some sort of a following I mean, sometimes people are really doing it just because they love doing it, and that's very noble, and it's that's very cool. But most of the people that do YouTube, I would say, want to garner at least some sort of audience, consistent audience for their content. Um, and in the beginning, you know, you have to be aware that you either are or are not growing your audience, but you can't force it. Like, there's no way to force an audience to, to glom on to some specific content that either you create or you know some other person creates and have it stick you kind of just got to go with what you want to do and where you think the content should go because at the end of the day it's all your content it's all your material you're the the creator editor and publisher of whatever it is unless you have somebody working with you but you know in my case i record edit and publish everything so yes i'm I'm aware that, you know, there is an audience to be had, but I'm more doing it just because I enjoy doing it at this point. And I think that's kind of how people should approach it. I think that's how a lot of people approach it. Like you said, they do it for fun and the audience follows, but you still have to be aware. Yeah, because I feel like at points I've put almost too much stake into it. And that's that's when I want to pull back because not only is there the chaos of trying to to learn what content you really want to make right there's also the chaos of thinking about like oh but how many subscribers do i have and i I feel like it's it's really difficult to think about that too early on especially when you don't think you have your style down yeah i think i think it definitely takes you know i've i've heard some content creators cite 50 videos i've heard some content creators cite 100 videos to really hone your little niche in the the youtube game or the podcast game whatever it may be that you're you know creating content for um it takes a long time to really drill down to exactly what you want your content to look like and feel like and you know who you think your audience should be whether they agree with that or not is a different story but it takes some time and there are points i i can speak from experience that you know you get 60 70 views on a video and no more subscribers and you're like oh well that kind of sucks but yeah you know you just got to push through and you know just because somebody doesn't subscribe after watching a video you release or a podcast you release it it, it doesn't mean that they didn't like it necessarily it's just you know you have to i guess earn their subscription because I mean, they watch one video. Yeah. More likely than not, they're not going to subscribe. Exactly. You got to have a consistent stream, a consistent stream of content, and you have to, you know, put the time in, t- 
time and time again to really build that base, I think. Do you have any opinion on this, Maxwell? I don't have much of an opinion, but I just have some um, some points and to make. I would Are say they opinionated points? Oh, and every day I inch closer to just getting people to just usher you off of social media. Yes, I know. Speaking of social media, here comes my points. I think that everything that's been said has been been intuitive, and um, being cognizant and, and putting out content that that you enjoy is a huge part of it. Um, you know, people say the same thing about a, your career in college: do what you enjoy, and then the success will follow, or whatever. But uh, there are certainly steps you can take to grease the wheels of of viewership. You know, that's where the social the advertising comes in. Social media, word of mouth, texting links. So what uh, what is your uh, usual path of marketing? Um, so I have a photography Instagram account and my own personal Instagram account. Um, sometimes I'll throw it on Twitter and then my Snapchat as well. I'll just, you know, put a link, you know, attach it to the snap on my story and just swipe up, you know. Or, you know, put the link in my Instagram bio and put it on my Instagram story. You know, follow yeah. follow the link in my bio. Something that's super passive that, like, it doesn't force people to necessarily, you know, click on it. But if they're interested, you know, it's there. So my, my marketing path is, I would say it's, it's more low-key, um, especially because I'm not some huge YouTuber. And, you, know, and you only have so many resources and so many ways to do things. Right, right. And I think that it has been successful for the most part um i have a, a couple videos that are over a thousand views just by sheer luck i attribute part of that to the title um, i wanted to ask you about your one where you went to the gorge yeah that that the one, video titled take a hike yeah yeah and do you think it's because of the title for that one or or what do you think contributed to that one like doing well i really i really don't know um i think part of it is the title it's just you know it's a catchy title it's you know something that's used in everyday speak um and i think it was you know visually pleasing and i think that's that's the key because i mean if you're from the buffalo area and you've seen the niagara gorge it's pretty awesome Yes. I mean, it's like the Grand Canyon of the East. I think. Don't swim in it. Do not swim in it. But it's cool to look at. Um, but Buffalo yeah. has some cool surrounding areas, but if if you're just in a suburb, it's just like gray. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but I I really don't know what has what has you know led that video to be my most viewed video because I think it's at like almost sixteen hundred views right now, as it stands and. I wish I could tell you what the reason is for that. Well, the internet, man. Yeah, I know. It it's all about the the algorithm. You got to learn the algorithm no. of YouTube. Uh, the I algorithm think, of YouTube is consistency. That's a fact. I know that that's what it is, but that's another thing that deters me from thinking audience focused at all because I just know like at this point in my life, I just flat out can't be consistent with anything that I would individually put out. Like, especially video-wise, you say that of the time. You say that, but if you make the promise to yourself to do it, I mean, I don't know how good you are with, you know. Well, I mean, in, in my most recent video, I talk about New Year's resolutions. And, you know, realistically, I'd like to post more than once a week. But, you know, 
being in school and then doing my internship this coming summer, it's not going to be realistic to post more than once a week. So you got to, you got to keep things in perspective and, you know, a lot the time you can a lot to doing what you enjoy doing. And that's kind of how I look at it. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the, like you, you make time for what you want to make time for. And then I started working a few months with two jobs and then it was like, Oh, can't make time for, for anything. Right. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. Max, take us somewhere. Lead us, lead us to the promised land of somewhere. I, um, I mean, all these things you're talking about, they're, they're, they're multidisciplinary attributes. Do you see, do you see any commonalities between this and, uh, CVL civil? Formerly known as CVL. Okay. Um, Is that official? They're, they're officially changing their name? So they're like Prince? Here's, here's what I gotta say. Now, I'm no expert in this. I'm no marketeer, but, um, I've worked now on two rebrands with business partners slash friends. Um, so I have two under my belt, although I can't put that on a resume or anything like that, that I've rebranded something twice unless each either brand gets up somewhere. But I will tell you this. There was, there has been moments there. There's always going to be strife in, um, anything project you do, whether it's a film or, um, you know, music or a podcast or whatever, there's always going to be disagreements and strife and the moments and, and actually, you know, working with the artists formerly known as CVL, they, there's eight, nine of them, 10. And, uh, to get them all, to get all of us on one page, s- seeing the same image in your mind, cause that's all it is, is hard. So I work with Owen here. Sometimes I have an image in my head. Sometimes he has an image in our head. We, but we only, s- it's dan- hard enough with two people. We <laughs> dance around the words. We go oh, we're going to do this. And we say, okay. And we agree on it comes time to put our uh, money where our mouth is and we are taking it in two wildly different directions so i'd say that your first art like doing things with cvl i i shot a video with cv uh, formerly known as cvl uh for a song called don't tell me by our producer kevin spears it's out now um he had the idea in his head so he deemed himself director and he really knew what he wanted going in which was good it helped me as a camera worker who i wasn't even really going to be the primary camera guy i just ended up that way um it helped me shoot it it helped me when he talked the more he talked about okay we're here i want a shot like this and this is how i want to be the more questions i can ask him and go okay are you going to be walking towards the camera is the camera going to be following you from behind am i going to be panning from the side what what is the shot uh, what do you see in your head? It allows me to come on to his same page. And then um, at, at the end of it, even though, you know, there's always a time crunch, especially in college years. But at the end of this, the filming, all of the takes, uh, he had a take from every sh- scene we shot that he liked. Whether I did or not, it's a different story. Maybe I think I could have shot something better here or there. Maybe he agreed after he went to editing. But at the end of the day, he had a take in every scene we shot. He liked. He put it together with an editor. Um, and got it probably pretty close to what he had in his head. And this is what I explain to them. I say, if you have an idea to do something creatively, um, a video, uh, whatever it is, you have this idea of what it looks like, and your team, the people you're working with, 
together collaboratively, their their job is to get it as close to that image as they can using the knowledge and techniques that they know. So at the end of the day, came out pretty good. Came out pretty nice. Um, it you know and it's, it's at two hundred seventeen well. views currently. It's been out for. 12 hours. 12 hours. Yeah. So that's not bad. Not that's too shabby. pretty good so yeah. far. Um, he's got a decent music following, so it's it's no surprise that he would get this um, this kind of response on a video. And then in the rebranding vein, look, I, told, I already told you I didn't use that promotion video. We ended up not even using that name or logo. But what we ended up doing was I, I said that they had a name um, really, and, and I had said – well, I had said to Kay, like, well, when we re-meet, well, I'll pitch my name. I have a couple other names in my head, but I didn't work on them. I wanted to work on this name because I thought, in my mind, this is the one that, out of all the ones I had, that they would probably latch on to. They didn't use the one that I pitched, and we were just kind of brainstorming in the room, and that collaboration, finally, I, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, all right, let's just pitch something else that I got, and I pitched it, and the more that it sat in the room the better everybody added to it until it became kind of like a communal idea and we were all just kind of like wow we just did for 30 minutes of talking based on some words that you know i said we all came up with an idea that we all kind of understand what it's about to be we understand we're on finally on this same page and uh so i think that collaboration has a huge part in it because and especially in YouTube today, you are expected to be your own videographer, director, producer, and editor. Those roles are four people, more than four people, in the visual arts field professionally. There's a different guy that's a producer. a different. So it's hard. I think YouTube is hard. Besides the algorithm, you have to be every role and because no one's going to help you really unless you really have a dedicated – like if I had three more of Owen right now, Oh my! We'd probably be flying out videos because they, at least we would all have it. And you would be angry with every single video. I would get. A, it doesn't matter though because I would get outvoted. But it. But at least there would be three like-minded other like-minded individuals. Now we have five people right now. If you're telling me I need to put out a five-minute YouTube video every week, let's just say our goal is to do that, and I have five people on my team. Oh, cake! Because even if two, even if three out of the five can't do something that week the two out of the five film whatever they want to film and the uh, and can electronically or physically give them copies of the edits and uh you edit the first minute you edit the second minute you edit the third minute and so on and so forth i think you know teamwork is huge do you ever find yourself alex hoping for or or wishing like man i wish i had an editor in this case or someone else to um, get this shot for me no you do not i don't because I am somebody who is a firm believer that if you want it done right, you do it yourself. Not not to discount I, anybody I, else. I absolutely agree with that, I, too. I can agree with that point. Um, yeah. Because how can I get what's here onto the screen unless I'm the one doing it? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be nice to, you know, not have to do the whole workflow of it because, you know, sometimes it is daunting, especially being a college student and working a job and, you know, doing extracurriculars and the whole nine um but i don't think i would feel comfortable giving somebody creative license to make content in my name 
Oh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But let's say it, the example I, I used, maybe I didn't explain it um, as well as I should have. But let's say, you know, I've seen behind the scenes footage without seeing the movie of shooting Lady Bird. Um, because I heard the director kind of has a different take on, on how to film, and I wanted to see what she does. And she just, she, you know, knowing that the audio is going to be different, which in some videos you make, it is. You're not using any of the audio from the camera. Um, she just kind of sits there, rolls the camera, and I, and she, so there's a camera operator, and she's just kind of watching the scene, or she's watching their CCTV or whatever it is, and she'll just on the fly tell them, the actors and actresses, to do things. So that they have footage of it so that they can edit it together. And me operating the camera and trying to do that on the fly and like I'm working with, you know, a subject and saying, well, like, can we try it this way? With three other people, someone, one person working the camera, one person working audio and one person, you know, looking at the direction of the whatever you're filming. I think that it would go faster, at least in my experience, which is no. But you have to have people that really know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, for that you, to be if successful, you had an, if you had an extra camera guy, just camera guy, he doesn't edit. You I mean you're editing, but he's doing another angle of whatever else you're filming. Your game improves. Oh yeah, no, uh, I would, I would huge. agree with that. You know, if it's as simple as you know getting some extra B-roll shots that right. I don't have time to get, or you know, whatever it may be, whatever the constraints may be. Yeah, I mean, I'd always take more yeah, footage. Absolutely. You can never go wrong with more footage. I think that's probably why why the vlog has gotten so popular creator-wise, because creators want something that they can just make themselves. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about anyone else. Like, I feel like what, what Max is describing, something like a music video or like a short film, good luck doing that yourself. Right. Because that's, like that's not going to yeah, come like out Like a good. vlog. But still, like even as a vlog, you are that's why the word creator became a thing in, in my view it's because they're not a director of a youtube vlog they are the main subject they're the director they're the sh- they shoot they're shooting their own stuff they're editing their own stuff they're a creator they have to do all these roles yeah that the professional industry parses out because of the like obviously editing a 2 hour movie that's hard so yeah, it's you know, incredibly daunting, right? Compared so, to a five-minute YouTube video. Now people can do two roles, like Jonah Hill writes and directs mid-90s. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. People can produce and direct movies. I'm just saying, professionally, they separate the roles. So I think that the burden of YouTube is pretty great, considering you have to do all of it. Yeah. Okay. I have one final question for like the main topic here. Shoot. How often, or if ever, just being yourself, do you have the thought of like? maybe I should chop all my hair off in the sense of like you're rebranding everything. You just want everything to change. Um, I've never really had that thought partially because I don't think I'm far enough into YouTube to require a rebrand of that scale. I mean, if I wanted to rebrand something, I could rebrand it in, you know, the 37 subscribers that I have would be probably okay with it. You know, it's not, it's not like it's rebranding to, two million people um but i haven't really thought about it i think that where i'm at now is it's a good starting point i wouldn't say it's anywhere near the finishing line in terms of what i want my content to look like you know a year down the road or two years down the road or whatever it may be but i think that at least for the beginning stages i'm you're where you want to be i'm comfortable yeah all right let's take it into the to the segments here segments that everyone loves 
Um, let's start with saltiest of the week. And you know what, Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot, and oh, you're going to go first. That's okay. I I found a nice news story uh, yesterday. Um, and the the headline reads: Blindfolded Utah teen crashes car doing the bird box challenge. So is the bird box challenge? I know a blindfold is involved. Are you meant to be driving? You're meant no. to be doing something. You're okay. not meant to be driving. Like that, but I don't know who in their right mind thinks that that was a good idea. In chasing the viral rabbit of the internet hole, down the internet rabbit hole, people have oh, if they can do you know hit a baseball blind, then I'll just drive blind because that's better. I'll get viral for that. And and I know this is an audio podcast, but at least for you guys, like look at the amount of damage that that car sustained from yeah. this accident. Is a oh, bad accident. I might have seen folks. a picture of that. Before, yeah, yeah, like. It, Luckily, no one was injured. Um, I mean, the two cars got pretty smashed up, but like, why would someone like willingly see. put themselves in a situation where like, how yeah, I'm just gonna yeah, crash my car Layton, today? Forget that. But how are you in a car driving and you, regardless of whatever challenge is out there, just go, I'm gonna put on a blindfold right now. Just, I'm just gonna do it. You and know, it wasn't like it was one person in the car. There was a 17 year old girl driving and a 16 year old in in the passenger seat when the what? car crashed. So, like, I'm assuming, hopefully, they both weren't blindfolded, because that's just... Yeah, but if one's filming, like, you know, from the seat or whatever... Right. She probably isn't even paying attention to... Yeah. I saw a tweet that I did not write. I don't know who to credit it to, but please don't sue me. <laughs> of the real bird box challenge is when you're late for class and didn't scrape off your windshield, but you're driving anyways. I've... I had to do that yesterday. <laughs> I drove to work like that once. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying, and it's yeah. only it's only about a mile away from. <laughs> I, I was looking through like a little box yesterday, yeah, pretty much. Uh, wow, not the smartest. Are you more car, responsible, Max? No, I I listen. I've driven with a uh, foggy windshield too, but uh, I've never really put it in the context of a uh, internet uh, sensation from a movie. I think well, people just need more did. common sense. Oh yeah, like for sure. Don't drive with a blindfold on. Common sense. How has hard is that? Oh, it's disintegrated. Nothing, it's gone. Yeah, nothing. The generation, everything the the generation below us that we've mentioned on this podcast today so far has been horrible. Yeah. Is there anything we can like say a good Te- about? Them? Technically, there are generation because like <laughs> while while most people would like to say like oh we're millennials because they just think millennials means a young person. Yeah. Um, we're actually Gen Z. So, but uh, if I'm 21 right now and uh, I don't consider me and 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds even in the same. Oh, no. Well, it's yeah. Completely different. If you are born in the year scope. 2000 or up, a year not. But, like, technically, if you were born in the year like 1982, you're a millennial. Right. Yeah, it goes back a lot farther. But, than like, think so, it does. someone who was born in 95 is 24 right now. Like, correct. But,. Yeah, but the 2000s... But they're still a millennial. When I, when exactly. I refer to the younger generation, I'm really talking about 2000s children. Yes. Because yeah, they're just... They're, yeah, 2000, 2000 and younger is just... I mean, quit, and they're quit, 18 though. right now. 2000, if you were born in 2000, you are, you're 19 or 18. Quick you're rant, though. Yikes. You're born in, in like, 97, 98, 99. Yeah. Stop retweeting the 90s kids things like let's be real here a lot of those you have basically no recollection but those cartoons those cartoons were aired long after the 90s but they were still 90s shows i know i know they were 
but like it just so if I, you were I think born, what you're only, saying let me just reiterate what you're saying is if i was born in the 90s i'm not a 90s baby no uh, don't that's not your personality trait to take. Uh, it's not a personality trait. I <laughs> no. think it's, it's, just, it's a it's a fact. It's just a category. I was born in 1998. That makes me, by definition, a 90s baby. No, uh, I I just think it's ridiculous when it's like retweeting Why? like, oh, only 90s kids remember the f- Rocco's Modern Life. Besides, <laughs> besides the fact that that's a, that's just a joke, I think that the, those accounts, their purpose when they first started was really just nostalgia. Oh, absolutely. Here's your childhood in a tweet. Yeah. yeah. Great. I also did that retweet. Yes. But uh, so I don't think that you need to really be uh, telling anybody to calm down. Yeah. If they're born you, in the you're 90s. getting real salty. I'm 1997. Okay. I'm a 90s baby. I might be the saltiest here right now. Matt, oh, you definitely I'm going to tell you to go next because I want to close the door next to me. Okay. Go for it. Um, I'm just going to wait until you sit down because I don't. Just say you're damn saltiest. I don't like to talk when you're standing up. My saltiest of the week is in the vein of what we talked about, uh, main topic today. Um, saltiest of the week is Logan Paul. Easy. He uh, said that uh, it's male-only March coming up, so he's going to go gay for a month. And that... I saw that headline and I completely not, forgot about it. I have not seen that headline. Yeah, he said on his vlog, his latest vlog, or probably not his latest, he probably already started issuing apology vlogs. But <laughs> in one of his vlogs recently, like last week or this past week, he said that in March, it's male-only March, and he's going to go gay, quote-unquote, for a whole month. And, like, obviously the internet drew swords and was like, we're going to go kill him now. And uh, they did. They just – everybody came at him. Um I was hoping that Chris Dahlia would uh, would say something because he was he had one of the most retweeted tweets last year because of he him coming at Logan Paul. Um, okay, but last year, if I recall correctly, Logan Paul made a joke about suicide. Right, and then that's the, yeah, so, it was the suicide video, and yeah. now now he's that's the whole thing. Chris Dahlia like took him apart on yeah, but uh, now he's saying he's gonna go gay for a month, implying because the internet always takes things further than maybe. Logan Paul can't comprehend what he's saying. I honestly truly believe that. And he couldn't comprehend the implications behind him saying, I'm going to go gay for a month. So people are just saying, oh, well, now he assumes that it's a choice. Yeah. And so now they're attacking him over it. Um, It's always good to see him. I always imagine Logan Paul, like, in his large bed from YouTube many, just waking up and looking at these things and just, like, screaming and just like throwing a tantrum in my mind that's what happens and that's why i think he's the saltiest i think you're probably not wildly inaccurate in that yeah statement. i, I really <laughs> i could absolutely not... <laughs> see him throwing a tantrum about people in the backlash that has ensued it's like anything he does now is being scrutinized and he goes and does something like this come on man how old is he now 22 23 mentally Oh no! I mean, like actual age-wise, how old is he? Oh, physically, yeah. He's, I honestly I think, have no I think idea. He's, he started in Vine. He started in Vine, and he was like nineteen. One of them started as a Disney Channel star. Yeah, it was Jake Paul. Jake Paul. That's, Jake Paul. He was well, on, no, he um, started in Vine, but then got on a Bizarre Vark. Yeah, and then left. And now yes. he's well, he was doing Disney Channel and YouTube concurrently, and then he. Made a lot some of questionable decisions yeah. regarding going to Post Malone's house, right? And Disney Channel. What what he said was they just agreed to part ways, but 
Disney oh, Channel. Yeah, Disney Channel fired him. Channel said they uh, fired him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Paul brothers, man. They they think they're above everything and everyone, and I think that's what drives me the craziest about it. The thing that drives me crazy is I don't think they're gonna fizzle out. Oh, I don't think so either. I think if, if they can keep the the stream of nonsense content going, yeah, they will continue content. to be successful. If you're listening and you were born in 2000 and I don't know, five, I don't know, what would that make you, 14? Oh, perfect. If you're listening to this podcast and you're uh, 14 years old, if you're 21 and Logan Paul is still one of your most viewed and listened to and respected uh creators i guess even though i don't think he does any of that anymore himself um there's an issue how i can't look at logan paul so that's another seven years how long how long have they already been vlogging like two yeah yeah so he'll be 29 do you think so it'll be almost 10 years of content creation that they're just doing absurdity i don't even know if he'll make it to 10 years here's the optimistic look at it is there such thing as an optimistic look? Yeah. The optimistic look is Our, that he quits the, tomorrow. In, this is my optimistic look. The entire just world, just the youth of the world, start a Facebook page or something against Logan Paul, and 98% of people agree that he just needs to be taken out. Our <laughs> age group. And we just somehow we put him in love, a jail cell or something, I don't know, and just keep him away from everybody. Our age group around 5th to 7th grade was into into Fred. Squeaky voice. Fred and Smosh. And uh, who else? Smosh is still around, though. Uh, Fred, not so much. Smosh was, they, they were whatever. But Fred is, he's not as controversial, but he's unbearable. Oh, really his voice just is like agonizingly annoying. The, the made worst the videos I've ever seen, and I liked them when I was younger. Right, but I mean, at least. That was a least, different YouTube, though. At least the Fred videos weren't, you know stepping over lines yeah like the paul brothers do like it was it, con- it was it was hard content to watch like the, the man's voice admittedly was horrible but at least it wasn't an annoying breaking orange. laws or you annoying know orange like some of the things that the paul brothers do just are unexplainable and unexcusable and the fact that they i have- agree Five million whatever views, probably even more. I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, and a lot of them are these youth kids. Like they're just they even if they don't want to admit it, some of their is just getting hit. They're just thinking this is okay to do. This is an okay way to behave. I'm gonna floss at my grandma's funeral. The dance on floss. her grave, on her grave, not the actual like actually flossing. on her. Which grave? one is more more offensive? If I saw someone picking their teeth on someone's grave with a piece of floss, I'd think that's quirky, but I wouldn't think anything of it. If I saw someone doing the floss dance over someone's grave, I would probably call a hit on them. <laughs> because I, I might not go that far, but you, you just you got to know the time and place to do things and not yes. do things. And That's what I don't, I'm I don't know how old his cousin was. The, I think I think his cousin was young. But but, I, but still But that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. The, if you can't understand sadness and emotion when you're that young. Even if you can't explain it in words, you can understand the mood. You should be able to walk into a room. How old, even if he was 10, 9, 8, 7. Walk, Six five four. Yeah, walk three, two, into one. a room, and if you don't know the mood of the room within the first five minutes, and the funeral, I imagine, was an hour. I imagine there was probably a eulogy. I imagine there was probably other people crying, and he's just yeah. going, like, just doing the floss dance. Like, th- this is what I'm thinking that, you know, the Logan Paul effect, that 
it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Absurdity. This is this is okay. This is okay to do at any time. This yeah. I'm Logan Paul. Okay, I'm gonna rush through my saltiest because it's it's nothing too dissimilar to what we've talked about before in the rap beef realm. Soldier Boy called out Drake as first of all that person that got clowned by Pusha T. That's how he referred to him and said that he taught Drake everything he knows. Soldier is is trying to get relevant again. Oh yeah, that's. I, I'm pretty sure I saw like an Onion headline or something that it's like. Soldier Boy suing Fortnite for not having his dance in the game. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Soldier Boy also is uh, released a game console, and uh, Soldier Boy also called out Kanye West for being, you know, ignorant or whatever. But well, I mean, he's not wrong about that. No, but he's just really just scrounging. Yeah, for attention he's right now. He's he's attention. His royalties are going down. He must like need some money. Yeah. Well, that's not too terribly well, interesting, but it's time for. Community tries. Nice. Well, we oh, recommend you go something. first. Anything we recommend. I don't remember what mine was, so let me pull it up real quick. Community try. Try to get good at social media. I have a uh, roommate who has to uh, manage the social media account of a yoga place for a class he's in. Really? He's not happy about it because it's an actually. He's like the way he described it. People actually engage with this social media it's an active social media and i'm like well looks like you got your work cut out for you <laughs> um yeah well my philosophy here is everyone everyone loves to tell you how bad and unhealthy social media oh, is. is that that's that's the popular thing to say but guess what people it's not going away yeah no so it's... figure out figure out how to get good in the way that like you can use it and not have it destroy your life that's a paradox because yeah. <laughs> if you use it, it destroys your life. No, it doesn't well, no. have to. It's everything I mean, in moderation. That's yeah, my whole see, thing. See, from my perspective, like I probably spend less than 10 minutes total a day on Instagram and Twitter. I actually combined. set my uh, phone to tell me how much time in notification form I've spent. So it'll tell me you have five minutes remaining of social media today. Um and I, so I set it to, I think I set it to 45 minutes. So I'll know at different points of the day, I'm just in my data gathering phase. Like, let's say on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I hit that 45 minutes where it says you've reached your limit. You can always just say ignore. Right. Um, let's say I reach that limit at two and I know, okay, well two. Um, so this is a little bit more past halfway of my day. So, okay. And then I'll, you know, I'll look at what I did at the end of the day. I'll be like, oh, I was on for, you know, an hour and 15 minutes total. But, um, you know, I know people who need to be on it all the time, every second, which is sad. It really is sad. Yeah. But I think Those people try pulling back. There is certain bit. things about the limits that I don't agree with, though. Uh, for example, Apple, um, you cannot set it for specific apps. Let's say I'm only addicted to YouTube. I can't set it only to YouTube unless they've updated it. Yeah, by I now. think that's ridiculous. But what else is ridiculous is that... They group all these apps together in social media, okay? So when the, my timer runs out, this includes WhatsApp and GroupMe and Facebook Messenger, but it doesn't include iMessage. That's interesting because WhatsApp has all the same features of iMessage, essentially. Obviously not with the emoji face tracking and all that. But Apple's just saying, don't use any of these. Now you have to use iMessage if you want to limit yourself. 
So uh, we let them play fast and loose with the definitions. What's next? What are they going to define my other apps as? It's true. Max, recommend something. Mid-90s. I saw it um, last week after our last podcast with my roommate, um, which is surprising. Was it your skater roommate? Yes. It started with Let's Watch Step Brothers. No. It started with Let's Watch School of Rock, which we watched six months ago. And I don't like to watch movies that close together unless really astounding. Uh, then it switched to Step Brothers, and I think it switched to um, – I, I said, let me – let me can we just scroll can we browse please just a few pages see if we see something and then it switched to drive with ryan gosling which actually i was on board for even though i have seen it it's been a couple it's probably been about two years great movie yeah and uh then i uh realized that my fire stick had updated so i'm like all right so maybe we can actually uh start using this and um we saw him in 90s and i was like gotta all right and he was he's a skater boy yeah and he was like I need to watch it. And I was like, all right, this is the best suggestion you've made to me in our two years of living together. So we uh, we clicked it, watched it, and it was good. It was well done. Jonah Hill, as a writer, director, um, I think he did really well. There's some complex things going on, but nothing that requires a hefty explanation to understand the movie. And um, it was nostalgic. One of uh, the characters in the, in the um, movie here. Reminded me a lot of uh, of our friend Tony, um, the way he talked to his mom, the way he talks to other people, the way he talks to his mom. As a uh, 90s baby, did you identify with it? <laughs> As a 90s. Actually, it's called mid-90s. So technically, 95, if that's mid-90s, then this would be right in my vein, wouldn't it, Owen? No. Well, close. 97, are we getting to the end Y'all of the 90s? Wait, when someone says I was born this. in the mid-90s and you find out they were born in 1996, are you angry at them because it's not exactly no, the no, mid-90s? But He's saying the, but further seven, you get, the further you get from 95, the less it becomes the mid-90s. It's, now it's the yeah. late 90s. So 97 might be the but beginning the of the But if the movie is about a boy growing up, he right? was, he might have even been born in the 80s. He probably was. He probably was, but he wasn't. Mm, he was probably born was. in like 85. Well, no, whoa. So he's 10 years old. He's younger than 10? He's older than 10, I'd say. Older than 10. Which oh, means okay. he was born earlier. I'd than say the 80s. he's because uh, I'd say he's probably, yeah, I was going to say he's probably 12 in the film because all the kids he's hanging out with are 17 and he's the youngest. Uh, he's the second youngest. They're all 17 except for one who's like Tony. Um, and he's probably 15. So this kid's probably 12. 11, 12. Okay. I would say, eh, I don't know. There's probably an age in the movie that I missed. But uh, <laughs> I didn't resonate with, I resonated with a lot of like hanging out with your friends outside. Just being outside because there's nothing to do. That kind of mentality. I didn't resonate with the skating because that's a West. that was more of a West Coast thing at that time. East Coast suburbs. It's just bikes so um peter uh he didn't really talk much about him resonating with the skating but i'm sure he did but uh great film um there's this character in it that's like a certain someone we used to work with at a pizzeria i thought yeah it, it's it's a good film the characters are, are 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 very honest in in like when you're watching them you're like yeah that could be how someone is um more or less there's some dramatic parts that maybe not but it was authentic and they did this cool thing at the end where there's this kid who's filming the whole movie and um 
this isn't a spoiler. This is like a credits thing. They're, while they roll the credits, they just kind of show all, he he was actually filming during it. So like they show kind of his like '90s camera footage of like just them behind the scenes, like oh, okay. out, which is kind of cool. All right, I like that. Yeah, I'll check a, it out. It's very sure. very very good movie. Alex, recommend something. Um, well, this might not come as much of a surprise, but um, I want everyone to try and make a video. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be insightful. And we all can. And everyone carries an iPhone with them. And if you have a, I think a seven or up, you can shoot in 4K, which is a lot better than a lot of beginner vlog cameras can shoot. So, I mean, don't worry about the quality of it or like the actual, you know, creation of the video. Just go through the process, because I think. And I'm not, you know, not trying to put any words in anyone's mouth or, you know, make anybody think any particular way. But I think a lot of people will, you know, find something to identify with when making a video, whether it's, you know, the the friendship that is included in that. If you have your friends involved or, you know, just the I guess the how I look at it is like the Zen side of just sitting there by yourself and editing it, because that's I mean, I. The editing is a daunting task, but I very much enjoy it because it's just me and my computer and, you know, what I want the video. The hardest thing to do is start editing. Once I start it, yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, opening up Premiere and just importing everything. But, you know, you don't you don't have to use Premiere. You can use iMovie. You can use an Apple App Store app. Don't use Windows Movie Maker. Like, Please if, don't. If you can avoid like, using Movie you know, Maker. It, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I'm not anyone to judge, you know, what, you know, materials you use to create a video or, you know, the, the quality of it because, you know, it probably won't be that much yeah. more cinematic or that much less cinematic than any of the videos I've made. But, yeah, I just, I think that it would be cool to see more people going through the creative process of creating visual content. I say this somewhat hypocritically, seeing as I just spent $1,500 on a new camera, but I'm obsessed with the idea of, like, oh, the best camera is the one that you have. Uh, yes. So, like, everyone Correct. has the iPhone 1, so try and do something cool with it. Yeah, and there have been numerous, more YouTubers than I can even count, that have, you know, real, you know, like, good cameras, you know, Canon cameras with, you know, whether it's, you know, McKinnon, Peter McKinnon vlogging on the, the Canon 1DX, which is a $6,000 camera body, or, you know, whoever it may be, you know, the, the ADD that Casey Neistat loves, or, you know, this Sony camera that I use for my vlogs that is $400. You know, it. there have still been YouTubers that have made very successful videos by virtue of the fact that they only used their iPhone. Yes. Or the entire movie was filmed only on iPhone 8 called Unsane. Seen it. It wasn't bad. Matt Damon was in it. Was that Steven Soderbergh? Yes. I heard about that. It was uh, decent. Decent. Okay. Community try. A little bonus there. <laughs> um, that's our show. That is our show. This what has been a long you? one, but I think it was a good conversation. Alex. Yeah. Plug yourself. Plug myself. Oh. Okay. Um, I am Alex Wilson Vlogs on YouTube. Um, I am at B Greater Photography on Instagram. Um, if you want to see some more artsy photos than the crap I post on my personal Instagram, which is literally just me in a bunch of little tiles. Um, and 
Uh, oh, I talked about this in one of my videos, but I am actually starting a company with a couple of my friends. Um, and if you want to go check that out, they are tagged on my personal Instagram, the Alex Wilson one. It's called Time Capsule. Um, I'm very excited to be working on it, and we'd love your support. Was there an elevator pitch for that? Uh, yeah, sure. It's um, combining VR and AI technologies to create a virtual consciousness of a person that has died. Well, while they're still alive, but once they die, they will still have a virtual consciousness. So it's kind of yeah. like a Black Mirror episode. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that to be the company. Yeah, that's that's what it is. All right. Um, you can come back here. Wednesday seems to be our consistent day for episodes, right? Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday. to Friday. Yeah. You'll see an episode there of Pass Assault here. I mean, it's my, right my other podcast that I'm on, Podcast of Vito, a Big Brother podcast, there's parentheses now. It's Celebrity Big Brother season starting up we have an episode coming out in a day or two check that out max do you want to plug anything just keep your eyes open that's all i gotta say all right it's a good place to start see you next week folks